I think another thing to consider is the fact that contracting COVID, especially contracting COVID with severe complications, uh, can have clear long-term consequences for your patient's overall health. Um, And complications such as uh, pulmonary fibrosis or damage to the lungs uh, or blood clots, those would certainly pose a substantial risk to any future pregnancy. Vaccines for COVID-19 became available in late 2020 and were immediately followed by a rash of myths and misinformation online. Many of the most pervasive myths, that the vaccine causes infertility, that it's unsafe for people who are pregnant or breastfeeding, that it can cause miscarriage, are specifically focused on women's health and reproductive health. Dr. Michael Beninati joins this episode of the Women's HealthCast to put a stop to some of the most dangerous misinformation and talk about the research that shows why these myths just aren't true. From the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins, and you're listening to the Women's HealthCast. I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Michael Beninati to the Women's HealthCast today to talk about COVID vaccines and women's health myths. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here and discuss this important topic. I appreciate it. Um, Before we jump into some of the myths, and I have kind of a rapid factor fiction um, series of questions that we can start with. Uh, tell me a little bit about your like area of expertise and your practice. What do you do in your day job? So I spend the majority of my time at Meritor where I'm on staff as a perinatologist or a member of the maternal fetal medicine division within the department of OBGYN. Um, and last year, I guess during 2019, 2020, when COVID was really peaking, I was uh, the surgical critical care fellow for the University of Wisconsin. So I spent that whole year working in the ICU at at the university hospital. uh, And much of that time was spent caring for uh, pregnant and non-pregnant patients uh, with severe covid so you feel like a, an excellent guest expert, I guess, f- to talk a little bit about some COVID vaccine and pregnancy safety concerns um, and other, I've got other questions too, just about uh, the risks of having COVID while pregnant. Um, so I want to start with, yeah, some sort of quick yes or no's, and then we can talk a little bit more about the data and the science that we have. Um, But I want to get this information talking about some of these myths right up at the top so people don't have to um, filter through a lot of our conversation to find them. Um, So number one, let's start with, um, is it safe to get a COVID vaccine while pregnant or breastfeeding? Yes, it is safe. Okay. Um, Do we have any data to suggest that the COVID vaccine increases someone's risk of having a miscarriage? We do not have data to suggest that. And in fact, we have data to suggest that getting the COVID vaccine does not affect your, um, it does not increase the likelihood of having a miscarriage or a stillbirth. What about um, information or data about like, neonatal outcomes, birth outcomes um, for people who've gotten the COVID vaccine? 
The available data in the United States suggests that uh, the COVID vaccine is safe for um, pregnant patients and their fetuses slash neonates. Uh, and when that data is in, or when that data are interpreted um, with other data that pertains to the severity of maternal disease, uh, it's my impression that the COVID vaccine uh, is actually working to uh, keep pregnant patients and their fetuses safe and uh, to work towards better neonatal outcomes. Awesome. Um. Is there any evidence so far that getting the COVID vaccine could affect someone's fertility? There is not evidence that supports that. I've certainly heard uh, a lot of um, anecdotes and uh, reports about the potential for um, you know, changes or impaired fertility following the COVID vaccine, um, but there have not been any uh, you know, rigorous scientific studies that support that. Um, my kind of hope is that this particular myth has died out by now. And that's another sort of trend we might talk about later, how quickly new myths or misinformation around the vaccine kind of grow and then eventually fade away. But, um, just in case it's still around for anybody, um, if I'm spending time around someone who has gotten the COVID vaccine, so I'm just near someone else who's been vaccinated can it affect my fertility or increase my risk of miscarriage from someone around me, quote, shedding mRNA from COVID vaccines? I've read a, a number of uh, at least stories online, uh, news stories and otherwise, about this concern over shedding mRNA. And there, once again, is not any scientific data to support that claim. And furthermore, um, I, I don't believe that there's any evidence to support that uh, vaccinated patients are shedding their mRNA, and I would struggle to find a you know, plausible biologic pathway by which um, this theory of shedded mRNA would affect another person's fertility, since the mRNA that's uptaken uh, during uh, a vaccine exposure um, does not uh, alter your, you know, one person's DNA or genetic material. Uh, it only works to produce antibodies against the, vac the virus. Those are just a few of like the most pernicious uh, women's health related and pregnancy safety related um, myths or misinformation around the COVID vaccine that I had heard. I'm wondering if, if any others, um, if you had heard any others. Um. Other ones that I've heard are it's, it could be dangerous to get the COVID vaccine while pregnant or breastfeeding because it contains the actual virus. Uh, and then you could be transmitting the virus to your fetus or to your neonate through breast milk. Uh, but it's not a live vaccine, and so it does not contain uh, the actual virus. And so I think that myth has been pretty well debunked. Um, and then I've heard, I haven't heard this recently, but I heard you know kind of early on that there were preservatives in the uh, vaccine sol solution that were 
linked to impaired fertility and changes to uh, menstrual patterns. Um, and there, ha there have not been any studies to confirm those sorts of um, claims either. Uh, some, some people will go on to have a, uh, an inflammatory response following the vaccine. Some, for some people, you know, a strong inflammatory response. And that theoretically could affect menstruation in the very short term, you know, days to weeks after. Um, but it doesn't appear to be anything that's of long-term consequence. So we've talked a little bit about, we're kind of debunking some safety myths around the COVID vaccine. Um, and kind of on the flip side, especially knowing um, where you've spent the last year plus of work um, during the pandemic, I wanted to ask you if pregnant people are at higher risk of having severe COVID symptoms or illness if they do contract the virus. I think that's probably the most important topic to focus on when discussing COVID and pregnancy. Um, and early on in the pandemic, that was certainly my personal experience. That was certainly the anecdote that I would have um, spoken about or acted upon because it, it did seem like the pregnant patients who contracted COVID and were admitted with severe disease um, were younger um, than their non-pregnant counterparts with severe disease. And so it seemed to me that that being pregnant was a risk factor for for having some serious complications from COVID. And then as time went on and the pandemic widened um, and we got you know further away from the beginning of it, we started to collect data from the U.S. and from abroad. And the consensus among basically all of the international data is that uh, pregnant patients are more likely to have s severe disease from COVID and they're more likely to experience uh, a number of serious uh, complications. And those include, you know, uh, the pregnant patients are more likely to be admitted to the ICU. They're more likely to need mechanical ventilation or going on a breathing machine. I guess I, I would say that pregnant patients are more likely to, to die from COVID than their, their non-pregnant counterparts. And then looking specific to, to, you know, to, to pregnancy, um, there was a clear early association between uh, COVID and preterm births uh, and COVID and requiring neonatal intensive care unit admission for the neonates. And so now that we're, now that we're, continuing to see more and more data come in about the consequences of COVID, I think it's been very well established that uh, being pregnant is a independent risk factor for having severe, complicated COVID. So we did the first few questions very rapid fire, but I'm hoping we can take a little bit of time to dig a, a, a little bit more into the science, into this, the information, the studies that we have so far. So my first question was if it's safe to get the COVID vaccine while pregnant or breastfeeding. And um, you said, yes, safe. So by now we have several months of data on safety and efficacy. These vaccines are being very aggressively studied, of course, because they're new and addressing a big problem. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what some of the latest studies that have come out 
have said about vaccine safety during pregnancy. Um, and specifically, I'm curious how pregnancy outcomes, we touched on this a little bit, if you have any additional points about how pregnancy outcomes for vaccinated people compare to outcomes kind of in the overall population. So the best aggregated data that we have regarding the safety and efficacy of the COVID vaccine in pregnant patients comes from the CDC and their V-SAFE monitoring program, which is, uh, as many of you are probably aware, the um, monitoring platform that was stood up in order for uh, people who have received the COVID vaccine to report symptoms and side effects and adverse reactions, um, and as it pertains to pregnancy, uh, to gather data on uh, pregnancy outcomes and neonatal outcomes. And one of the very, very early concerns about the COVID vaccine was that it could cause uh, an increase in fetal malformations or structural birth defects. Uh, And the largest uh, data set from uh, the CDC and from the VSAFE uh, app respondents showed that there was not an increase in structural fetal malformations. Um, I believe the rate of fetal malformations was 2.2% in those patients who had received the COVID vaccine. And the kind of quoted um, baseline rate of um, fetal malformations among the general population is uh, typically 3 to 4%. So this was not thought to be an increase above baseline. Uh, As it pertains to pregnancy outcomes, I know another very uh, commonly held uh, concern was that the COVID vaccine would lead to an increase in miscarriage or stillbirth. And the um, rates of uh, live birth, uh, which is to say not stillbirth, were equivalent among Uh, the patients who got the COVID vaccine and the general population. Um, And interestingly, in the, in the patients, the pregnant patients who received the vaccine and uh, tracked their data through the VSAFE app, there were no neonatal deaths reported. Um, It's a relatively small sample size, but it's, it's the best that we, it's the best data that we have to work with for now. And so I think that that was reassuring. Um, Preterm birth has been a very um, well-studied part of COVID, and the data from the VSAFE app does not do not suggest that uh, getting the vaccine is associated with an increased risk of preterm birth. Um, and you know, one hypothesis is that by getting the vaccine, you are uh, mitigating the risk for severe COVID disease in the pregnant population. Um, and we, we know that having severe COVID disease is a risk factor for both spontaneous preterm birth, which is to say the pregnant patient just goes into labor on their own, and also iatrogenic preterm birth, which is to say that the uh, baby is delivered early in order to help stabilize mom's well-being. Uh, and so I think, it's, I think it's very important data to, um, to study and to also to keep aggregating so that we have um, more information to help to continue uh, to well-inform our patients. I wanted to ask, um, 
if we know anything so far or what we know so far about um, passing COVID antibodies for someone who has been vaccinated to um, babies. So for example, please do correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's really highly recommended for pregnant people or people who plan to breastfeed to get the flu shot, for example, because it can like share some immunity um, initially with their babies. And I'm, I'm curious if, if that's been looked at at all yet for the COVID vaccine. Yes. So passive immunity, which is, um, I think what you're alluding to with influenza has been studied, um, with regard to the, uh, to COVID and the COVID vaccine. Um, it, I, I think it's, it's, it's a newer area of focus as opposed to safety and efficacy. That was the main focus early on. Um, but there are smaller data sets that have shown um, um, a positively identified uh, antibodies against the COVID vaccine in both uh, breast milk and neonatal umbilical cord blood. Uh, the first reports of uh, COVID antibodies in the umbilical cord blood um, was noted for pregnant patients who had received the COVID vaccine in the third trimester or you know, shortly before birth. Um, and so we're, there's, there's more research ongoing to see uh, if the timing of vaccine exposure during pregnancy confers a different amount of uh, antibody passage to the fetus and the neonate. Um, that being said, I, I believe that the data still support uh, um, administration of the COVID vaccine at any at any point in pregnancy, ideally, um, the sooner the better, uh, because that provides um, more protection for the pregnant patient and thus the fetus and neonate. Uh, and then with regard to breast milk, where we have recent studies that have uh, demonstrated a uh, positive uh, antibodies against the COVID vaccine uh, in uh, maternal breast milk. And we know based on uh, influenza, as well as a number of other conditions, that uh, passive immunity, uh, primarily via one antibody subset called IgA, uh, is, is routinely passed uh, through breast milk to uh, breastfed neonates. And it appears that the COVID vaccine um, is allowing for that same sort of passive immunity uh, for vaccinated uh, patients. I wanted to ask if you have a little more information um, about how, how we kind of know or what kind of mechanisms we're looking at that, that demonstrate why COVID vaccines don't affect fertility. Um, and I'm I'm thinking of this in particular because I have, well, this was actually a listener request. Um, someone who listens to this podcast uh, asked this question specifically and, um, I, you know, mentioned that other younger people um, were maybe not getting the vaccine out of this fear of how it might affect their future fertility. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm curious how we know or how we can kind of pretty safely assume that COVID vaccines don't have an effect on long-term fertility. What we know about how vaccines work and how fertility works that kind of supports this. I think it's an excellent question. It's a, it's a somewhat challenging 
question to ask or to answer us rather because we're still relatively early on in the uh, COVID pandemic and development of the vaccine and, and administration of the vaccine. But a few points that, uh, that I would uh, focus on are um, in the original uh, trials that were testing the efficacy and safety of the COVID vaccines, the original COVID vaccines, uh, pregnant patients were not included. They were purposefully not included because there were concerns over the safety of the vaccines in pregnancy. And that sort of decision is not uh, altogether uncommon for uh, uh, drug trials um, and excluding pregnant patients. But uh, a number of the uh, participants in the uh, original uh, vaccine trial uh, did go on to get pregnant afterwards. And this was a, a, a placebo match trial. So some uh, participants got you know an actual COVID vaccine and some participants got a placebo that didn't have any uh, mRNA in it. And the uh, rates of, um, of patients uh, conceiving or getting pregnant didn't, did not differ between the two groups. Um, albeit that was not the point of the study to, to measure the rates at which people got pregnant, but that was one finding. Um, and furthermore, the only patient of either group that went on to uh, get pregnant and have a, a pregnancy loss, uh, a miscarriage, was a patient who had gotten the placebo, not a COVID vaccine. And so that was the that was the you know the kind of first data that we. Uh, came upon that would speak towards the um, the safety of the vaccine with regard to um, getting pregnant in the future. The next point that I think I would touch on is that the I'm not a biochemist or a, a vaccine uh, um, you know developer, but the way that the mRNA, as I understand it. Um, is designed to um, promote uh, protection from COVID is by, um, you know, encoding for very specific proteins uh, that are only supposed to essentially mimic the, the antigen that COVID presents to your body um, such that your, your immune system can then make antibodies against those antigens. And those uh, antigens and antibodies are, are uh, not ones that are related to um, fertilization or implantation or embryo development. Um, They're largely specific to the, the viral disease process. And the mRNA, like we kind of alluded to before, does not um, backwards insert itself into a patient's DNA and change their genetic material. It, it, if anything, it would be a you know a downstream product um, that is simply designed to promote uh, a response from the body, not to change the body's inherent genetic information. I think another thing to consider is the fact that contracting COVID, especially contracting COVID with severe complications, uh, can have clear long-term. Uh, consequences for your patient's overall health um, and complications such as uh, pulmonary fibrosis or damage to the lungs uh, or blood clots, those would certainly pose a substantial risk to any future pregnancy.
lastly, I understand that the the COVID vaccine is a is a kind of a novel uh, type of vaccine, but we have not found that with any of the other commonly administered vaccines, um, there is an effect to fertility. And in fact, there are um, some vaccines that we recommend you know, uh, during pregnancy or uh, certainly during during uh, people's peak peak people's peak years of fertility. So you mentioned that this is a kind of a novel type of vaccine, and I have to imagine that that is the newness of it is fueling a lot of these like myths and new areas of misinformation and that um, probably more are going to continue to pop up in the coming months and possibly years. Um, As people hear or read about new claims, um, new myths or things that sound kind of scary, do you have any recommendations for how we can evaluate them, right? I see a a new myth like flow across my Twitter feed and it it fills me with this little moment of confusion or concern. Um, How do I like learn more about it to assess like how accurate this is, how fact-based this new thing that I've read about is? How can I kind of learn more um, and be kind of a critical consumer of the information I'm seeing? I think that's a very important question, and I think it poses a real challenge in today's day and age as it pertains to COVID vaccines or really any news headline. And I think that the best strategy is, especially when making important, uh, serious decisions pertaining to your health care, would be, you know, ideally not to be reactionary or not to be too reactionary to the um, first headline that pops up. And my kind of go-to strategy is I wait for as much data as possible to be uh, collected. Uh, And then I rely on those um, organizations that are uh, best suited to aggregate, analyze, and report on that data. And so I think here in the U.S., the CDC is obviously the cornerstone of that sort of process. As it pertains specifically to to pregnancy and fertility and um, uh, birth outcomes, the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, or SMFM, as well as uh, ACOG, or the American College of uh, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, uh, have... Um, pretty frequent updates that are posted onto their websites about uh, different um, information about COVID and vaccines and that sort of thing. Um, And so I think that the best policy is to wait until as much data as possible is collected. And then uh, an organization who is tasked with managing that information uh, provides their, their opinion. I would also throw in maybe the ASRM, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, their expertise is in infertility um, as like another source for people who are concerned maybe about the vaccine's long, long-term long effects on fertility. They're also a good option. They've had a lot of um, valuable opinions or uh, kind of fact sheets during COVID times that were very understandable. So it's another one. As we're kind of wrapping up, um, For any pregnant or breastfeeding people who are still 
debating whether to get the COVID vaccine, do you have like one key takeaway from this conversation that you hope people will remember and think about? I think that the most important take-home point for pregnant patients and uh, breastfeeding patients is that it's certainly understandable to um, be concerned about potential uh, adverse effects of the vaccine for your uh, fetus while you're still pregnant or for your newborn after you deliver and are, are potentially breastfeeding. Um, and as a relatively new parent, I can certainly empathize with those concerns. Uh, but I believe that the overwhelming uh, scientific evidence has shown that the vaccine is safe for pregnant and breastfeeding people. And I think that since the major um, professional and governmental organizations have now all moved to recommending the vaccine for uh, pregnant and breastfeeding patients, uh, I certainly think that the benefit of being vaccinated outweighs the theoretic risk. Um, and I really only say that with the one objective of, of trying to keep people safe so that they can be around and continue to uh, care and provide for those uh, fetuses and newborns. Dr. Beninati, thank you so much for spending time with me today on the Women's Health Cast. I appreciate your time and expertise so much. I'm very happy to uh, be here and take part in your wonderful podcast. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us in your podcast app and let us know what health issues you'd like to learn about at the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening.